and welcome to the Common Good Podcast, the podcast that showcases the very best of Glasgow Caledonian University and how the institution, its staff and its research benefits people and communities both at home and overseas. My name is Craig Telfer and today I am joined by Dr George Lamakis, a lecturer and researcher in the School of Computing, Engineering and Built Environment to discuss floating solar panels and how locks might hold the key to future solar energy production in Scotland. George, brilliant to have you on the show. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for letting me come on this. I'm going to start off with a big question. What are floating solar panels? So floating solar panels, as the name suggests, is a way that you can install solar photovoltaics, solar panels on lochs and basically everywhere else where they float instead of being put down on the ground. How long have these been in use for? Well, prototypes first started coming around probably five to six years ago, but they're still at the very early stage. Uh, There are a few commercial applications here and there, but they're not in the mainstream yet. Are they used anywhere else in the world at the moment? Japan has a few installations, uh, Singapore is looking at some installations, and the common thing that you will find is that they're typically sought after in areas where land is at a premium. Okay. And how big are these floating solar panels? They can be any size you want. One of the biggest advantages of solar technology and solar panels in general is the fact that it is completely modular. So you can have them, it's, it's basically like Lego bricks. You can put them together and make them as big or as small as you want. Are they expensive to manufacture? The markup on a floating PV compared to a traditional uh, grounded PV would be probably around 15 to 20% higher. But of course, as the technology matures, it will become less uh, expensive. And are they easy to implement? Yes. Probably the most tricky thing is finding the correct floating system to put them on. And that will depend on your site, whether your site will experience any waves or not. But other than that, the whole electrical installation is the same thing we have been doing with solar panels for the last 50 years or so. So we know what floating solar panels are, George, but I'm going to ask quite a thick question here. Let's talk about solar power itself. What is it? So solar power, as the name suggests, is power coming from the sun. We use a technology called solar photovoltaics, solar PV for short, and their job is to absorb solar radiation and convert it to electricity. So effectively, we're talking about a device that captures available free energy to us and makes electricity. One of the biggest advantages of this is that they are very clean compared to traditional energy sources such as coal, gas, oil, and so on. They are renewable, so they will be uh, with us pretty much forever. And their environmental impact overall, apart from greenhouse gases, is on a way cleaner side than your traditional conventional energy systems. There are issues, of course. There are some environmental issues with them, very minor. But as with everything in life, we have to choose the best available thing to us. If we simply wait for the perfect ideal energy source, well, it will never come. What are some of these environmental drawbacks? Well, first of all, solar photovoltaics require land and they tend to require a lot of land. And this is where the beauty of floating solar panels actually comes in. Traditionally, water bodies are left unused by human population. Yes, you have boats and then you have water sports and so on, but typically you have a large space that is left completely unused. When we're talking about an island nation like Scotland, we're limited in the amount of land we have. 
throw in there the fact that most of the land in Scotland is fairly unsuitable, typically the highlands, because we're talking about high rugged mountains and mm -hmm. so on. And then you're left with a huge untapped potential in the locks we have. Now, I should make something clear. That doesn't mean that we plan on covering every loch with solar photovoltaics and there will be any locks to see. This is just something to see as to how big they can be, what we could potentially get. Well, people often complain about solar panels and wind turbines and the look of them. Is there any way to make them more aesthetically pleasing? Well, making something aesthetically pleasing is completely subjective. If you were to ask me, for example, I would say that I personally find wind turbines pleasing. Other people <laughs> do not. There are ways you can mitigate that. People have started painting, for example, wind turbines to make them fit their environment better and so on. But we should keep one thing in mind. Whenever we see an ugly wind turbine or an ugly photovoltaic, we should be thinking as to what they're actually replacing. They are replacing a power plant that emits smoke, mm -hmm. emits carbon dioxide and all of these other pollutants. Humans tend to be kind of uh, strange in that aspect. They think they see a very nice place. They see the place with a turbine and they say, that place without a turbine was better. But that's not the comparison we used to be making. The comparison you should be making is that if you don't have the turbine or the photovoltaic, you will have a power plant that emits smoke in its place. Because at the end of the day, we still need the electricity and it needs to come from somewhere. That leads me nicely on to my next question. And it's about a new project you're going to be working on over the next three months. You've received funding from the energy company AES Solar to map sites across Scotland where floating solar panels could be implemented. You've touched on this a wee bit earlier, but can you talk about it a bit more in depth? Yes, of course. Uh, me and one of my PhD students, Spiridonas Angeli, received some funding to map out any potential sites in Scotland that could be used for floating photovoltaics. Our job is to classify all the sites we have in Scotland and find which ones are suitable. Because at the end of the day, it isn't only about how many locks we have, it is about how close they are to existing electrical infrastructure, how close they are to roads and so on. Because by doing this, we minimize any environmental impacts. We don't want to start digging roads where we don't have roads and we, want to, and we don't want to start installing power cables where we don't have them. So the main job is to find what potential we have, to find which water bodies can be used for this job and to estimate how much energy we could potentially get by utilizing these ideal sites. What sites have you looked at so far? Well, we have started mapping out various logs. Uh, we ran a very, well, how can I put it, a pilot scheme on Loch Ranoch to see what would happen. Of course, many parts in Loch Ranoch are protected, therefore we couldn't use this, but we simply tested it to see how much we could install in there. It's a work in progress, so I cannot give you any results yet, unfortunately. You said something quite interesting there about protected areas, but what impact will floating panels have on aquatic wildlife? The actual impact of floating photovoltaics on aquatic uh, wildlife is still being investigated, but from what we have seen in literature and so on, it is completely negligible. Now, if we were to completely cover a loch that is used, for example, for aquaculture, that could be a problem because mm -hmm. that means that sunlight doesn't penetrate the loch, therefore we don't get photosynthesis, we don't get uh, nutrients and so on. But that won't be the case because in reality, what you would be doing is you would be installing photovoltaics on part of a loch and that would be it. As for any other environmental impacts, 
the only impact that you could have is you simply have a floating system sitting on top of a log. So you might see some small amounts of increased algal growth on the floating system itself, but that wouldn't be any different from actually mooring a boat or something like that. You're going to be using geographic information system mapping technology for this. Can you tell me how that works? Yes. So basically GIS, which is geographical information systems for short, uses satellite data gathered over a period of years to map out different places. You can insert filters into GIS, so it can show you potential available solar energy. It can show you problems with the contours of the land and so on. And based on the filters that we will put, uh, we want them, for example, to be close to power to substations and power cables and so on. We're excluding certain uh, places. So this study is going to be lasting for three months, George. How are the next three months going to be looking? So currently, my student, uh, Spiridonas, is actually looking into the best water bodies based on the criteria we have. Once we have completed this, I will be taking over so I can start doing some energy simulations and calculations to see what we would get. For this part, we're actually collaborating with AES Solar because they have been feeding us data from their actual solar farms that are already in operation. And I will be simulating what their solar farms would do if they were placed on this. Once this is completed, we will write a document, a report, if you like, that uh, summarizes our findings and we'll have a searchable database that can be used for any potential future installations if somebody might uh, want to. So the whole gist of it is if you have someone that wants to install floating solar panels in Scotland, they could use this database. They could filter it by size, by potential yield and so on. And they can pick up this site. And then of course, if that happens, they would go to the relevant environmental protection authorities. They would get relevant permits and so on. The object of this exercise isn't to install floating panels, is to assess what would happen if we were to install floating panels so we can take it one step further. So if you would prefer, it is basically a preliminary energy site assessment. I know it's early stages for the study, but what do you think you're going to find once it's completed? Well, one thing that we have been finding so far based on literature is the fact that floating photovoltaics tend to work better than traditional ground mined photovoltaics because of something called the evaporation effect. To give you the very short story of this, because water evaporates, this uh, water has the ability to cool surfaces down. You have seen this when you're close to a sea or a rock where the air feels a little bit cooler. Mm -hmm. A very interesting thing about solar technology, solar PV, is the fact that solar PV like it when it's fairly cold. So if you can actively find a way to cool photovoltaics down, you're increasing their yield. So by installing floating solar systems, you're actually increasing the yield compared to what you would get from a ground-mounted ground mounted one. Couple that with the fact that traditionally in Scotland, our solar yield is fairly low. Not only we are using land, well, land, water bodies that would otherwise be left unused, but we're also increasing the yield of the photovoltaics themselves. This is all really interesting, George. Can you tell us a wee bit about your background in academia and how you got to the stage at GCU where you are now? Yes. So my background, as you can imagine, is in renewable energy. I am a physicist by trade. This was my first uh, degree. I have a master's in renewable energy technology and I have a PhD right here, right from GCU, which was about solar thermal technologies. 
and I've been teaching all things regarding energy in GCU for the past seven or eight years. Spiridonos, which is my PhD student who's helping me with this, was an undergrad student of mine who did floating solar work for one of his undergrad projects. He also did floating work for his dissertation. He did floating solar work for his master's and he's doing floating solar for his PhD. So this was a natural continuation of what was happening. It's great. It sounds like the research that you're doing really feeds into the university's mission as the University for the Common Good and the work with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Yes, one of the goals is clean and affordable energy, and this is exactly what we're doing. In fact, one of the reasons we were able to secure the funding was exactly that. A big part of our application was the fact that we're helping the uni reaching the targets they have. What do you think the future of solar power is in Scotland? Well, uh, contrary to popular belief, the UK in Scotland has been fairly active in installing solar panels. We just don't see them a lot because they're not as uh, popular as wind turbines and so on. I can foresee that in the future we'll keep investing in solar power and perhaps floating solar systems can provide a different avenue. Uh, there are talks about a potential future project. I cannot disclose any more details about potential partners where we could be using floating solar systems to power aquacultures. Aquacultures, you require large amounts of energy to circulate feeding, for example. And this could be done by floating systems, thus lowering the environmental impact. Traditionally, they use either diesel generators or uh, grid electricity, which are dirtier than floating panels. That could be an avenue as well. George, thank you very much for speaking with me and good luck with the remainder of the project. Thank you very much for having me. I'd also like to thank everyone for listening to this episode and I hope you'll join us again soon to hear about more wonderful work going on at Glasgow Caledonian University. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and pretty much everywhere else. Until then, I've been Craig Telfer and this has been the Common Good Podcast. Podcast.